Welcome Field Talk listeners to another exciting episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Craig Sheffield. My goal here at Field Talk is to delve into the world of each guest, exploring aspects of their craft and process so we can apply their lessons to our own endeavors. And today, I have a special guest joining me, Adam Steffen. He's a modest, hardworking individual I first met in 2004 while auditioning for drum corps in Kentucky. We hadn't spoken at length for quite some time, so we had a blast catching up and chatting about his current work and life. Adam is currently a media producer for an insurance marketing organization and has a wealth of knowledge to share with us. With his expertise, we'll be focusing on the importance of pushing past fear and doubts embracing mistakes as opportunities for growth, and the power of consistency and improvement in the creative process. Throughout this episode, Adam encourages us to face our fears head on. We'll discuss the importance of presenting ourselves honestly, especially when starting out, and being clear about what we know and what we don't. Then, we touch on some of the practical aspects of content creation. Adam details the various tools and equipment he uses and highlights the ever-evolving landscape of digital media. But it's not all technical talk. We'll also dive into Adam's incredible journey, from leaving a job with a local embassy affiliate to working for a life insurance company with an online educational platform and a weekly podcast. Adam's role evolved over time, encompassing video editing, live streaming, photography, and more. As we wrap up, we explore Adam's advice for those starting their own projects or seeking positions with companies. Whether you're a beginner seeking guidance or a seasoned pro looking for fresh ideas, this episode is packed with valuable information and inspiration. Without further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with Adam Steffen. It's time to embrace the fear, learn from our mistakes, and create things that truly connect our world. Let's get creative. I know you said that, it, you know, in your current role, uh, media producer, that you were making a podcast kind of originally. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the, the main thing that they brought me in for is they were hiring out people to, to essentially do an episode at a time. And it was just financially, it didn't make sense because they were, they were bringing in a creative, someone that understood the, the technical aspect of this, but they were only doing it like, you know, we're going to sit down, we're going to record, and we're just going to give you all the stuff to make a finished product. But then they weren't getting really any input, any ideas on how to improve so that's when they decided to bring someone in full time. And that was kind of the, the original role for me is you're just going to run the podcast. We've done a weekly, they had done a weekly audio version for two years by the time I had arrived, roughly something like that. But then once I got there, they wanted to start a YouTube channel. Like they had it. I think my first day they had just under 900 subscribers over the first two years, I think is what it was. And then now within the last 18 months, we're, we're going to hit 10,000 this month, probably subscribers. That's so that was, that was kind of the main focus out of the gate. But then as we've been brought along, uh, the, the insurance side, the actual business side of the business merged with another company. So now on top of basic, just the, the podcast that we've been doing, 
I'm doing all of their marketing. So all of the the ads that they want to run on Facebook, uh, testimonials from agents, you know, things that are going well. We do live events. So like I was in Dallas uh, in July for uh, for a big conference they have down there. I know next week my bosses are going down to South Carolina for a live event. But then within the, the company, they're doing these live events kind of all over the country pretty much every week, it seems like. So I've been bouncing back and forth, getting recordings, getting testimonials, and just kind of doing more internal and external marketing, which has been another crash course, but camera pointing and microphone pointing, it's really all it is. Yeah, I see. So it seems like you're doing, um, I don't know a better way to say it other than like some field work whenever they're going to a location and you said you're getting testimonials. And then you also uh, showed me a, a little bit uh, I got a video recording from you inside of a studio. So you also have a studio kind of in the, in the home base that you're working out of. So you're using lots of different gear. You're in, you're in different environments, uh, whether that's controlled or otherwise. And, um, I mean, that's gotta be roughly, that's gotta be pretty challenging. I would imagine, um, just that you're expected to have a, this content at a certain level you know, for instance, like lighting and sound and, and all that, like, um, how do you deal with that? Uh, as you know, I, I've dealt with a few different pieces of equipment and I don't use each one all the time, but whenever I do switch to something I haven't used in a while, it's always nerve wracking for me personally. Um, do you, do you like test your gear before you go out? Have you used the, do you use the same things every time? And, and just, how do you manage that? So I, I was spoiled before, before I got here and I didn't realize it. So I was doing technical media production for NBC here in Louisville. And it's all of the same things, camera lights, mics, and then obviously live, you know, live broadcast. Uh, but you've got a team of engineers that when something breaks, you can just go, it's not working here, fix it. Whereas now it's, it's just you, but I've always kind of considered myself a jack of all trades. So you just kind of plan for the worst and hope for the best. Like, you know, so I've got these small little lights that I generally use for accent lights, just kind of in the studio that I just went ahead and used for my lighting today. It's not perfect, but for, for what we're doing and you can see me, you can hear me, you know, when, so that's kind of just always been the mentality of, I'm not shooting for perfect. I'm shooting for as good as I can do right now. So I walked into to cameras I didn't know, to a switcher that I didn't know, editing in different programs, lighting that I had never even really thought of, and even shooting video. It was, it was one of those things, you know, we had photographers that would go out, get all of the media that they, you know, they would all shoot it and then just bring me the files. So I didn't realize how good I had it on the front end of someone that is a professional at running a camera is the one bringing me the footage that I'm going to show. A professional in, you know, running multi-million dollar studios, if something breaks, that's the guy I'm going to run to. Whereas now, you know, hey, we did this 30-minute podcast recording and, oh, one of those cameras wasn't on, so we're going to have to do this again. Like, just own your mistakes, know, you know, figure out why, why, what happened happened and then learn and try not to, to let it happen again. So it's just a lot of watching YouTube, getting best, 
you know, best tips and practices. That's the beauty of the age that we live in. I mean, if you don't know something, go learn it. If you can't learn it, find someone that knows more than you and start asking questions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much stuff that I just come across uh, all the time. And and that can be its own kind of death trap in a way <laughs> if you just let it. It is yourself... a rabbit hole that you can really just... <laughs> what do you mean there's this new little bitty feature that I'll never use, but I should know everything that it, there is to know about it, right? That's that's what I'm supposed to know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love, I love geeking out on that kind of stuff as well. Oh, yeah. But then I do find often that, oh, I, uh, that's not something I might actually <laughs> use more than once. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, twice. But uh, yeah, all the tools, they are, they're getting a little bit, I would say they're getting easier to use. Um, what about speaking to, you know, what the, your own efforts in trying to get to, you know, new, you said a new switcher, you, all these things, these components, do, do you feel like the consumer products and, uh, you know, other tools that people can just go out to a store and buy, are they getting easier to use or do you still need a certain amount of kind of um, prior knowledge to get the best or the most out of those those things? Because we, we have, you know, AI, you're starting to hear more and more about this AI tech and everybody has a cell phone in their pocket, which has an amazing camera built into this thing. And you know, I, I think the the barrier for people to get into making content and and any kind of media really is getting lower and lower. But as far as what you're using in the studio, do you feel like there's there's still a divide there? It's like to answer the question, it's it's yes. It's definitely getting easier to have a high quality production without a background in it. However, having a base understanding of what everything does makes ease of use even easier because you pointed out the camera right so it's it's aggravating to me who's you know I bought my first DSLR it's nothing fancy but it's just enough for me to really kind of start getting photography chops I've got a real nice mirrorless system that we use out of work but that's my boss's I've got you know a thousand dollars worth of glass but you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm learning at the the rate that you need to learn. But it's it's frustrating that you know I've got uh, a very nice camera with a super nice lens, and I'm really kind of working on getting all the the manual settings the way that they come out. And my boss can roll up and just go, "Dude," and it's a better picture, like arguably, period, point, end of story. And it's 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 frustrating. So it's it's yeah, it's. It's definitely easier. Short version to to, to really kind of summarize that. It's definitely easier to get in. Because like I Mm -hmm. said, we do live streams as well as recording. So like even just the switcher thing that you were talking about. Uh, Blackmagic is is the company that I use most of my stuff with. And they have this thing called the ATEM ATEM Mini is what we run. We've got the Mini ISO. And so like, especially if you've ever gone into like a, a full television studio and seen what a a normal video switcher looks like. It's just hundreds of buttons and everything lights up and it's very 1970s looking tech, but it's super, super advanced and super amazing. What they've been able to do is take this, you know, multi-key switcher and break it down into a box that's about that big. And so it's all there. It's not nearly as powerful, but you can do basically all the things that you want to do out of a much smaller package, much easier price point. 
So it's really, it's, mm-hmm. it's all, you know, kind of like you were talking about earlier, it's all just learning your equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, knowledge is great, but until you know how to use the stuff that you're using well. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to work for you. Like you think, um, probably yeah. just out of the box, like the photo stuff. I am, I'm constantly amazed, uh, every time I buy a new phone or, or get something, you know, it, it maybe not the audio is not any different. <laughs> the, the microphone's not usually a whole lot different than that, but the cameras somehow, those are the one component that I'm always like, wow, this is, this is noticeably different, but maybe it's partly the screen resolution or, and there's some other components to it too. Um, it is funny that you pointed out that a device that was originally designed for audio, it's the, the audio capture quality is the, is the aspect of it. That's not on the downside. It's not as a, it's not advancing at the same rate that the, the video component is, no. or even just, yeah. you know, the, the processing power of it. Yeah. It is funny because I, and I also heard, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the YouTuber uh, podcaster as well, Pat Flynn, but this guy also said, you can have good, you know, lighting and camera and equipment, but if you have poor audio in something, people are probably going to tune out pretty immediately because it's so crucial. Like you're going to listen to the content. You need that. Yeah, it's funny that that doesn't progress. Or it doesn't seem to get better. I, I guess there's just some physical limitations. Obviously, the size of the capsule that you can place, you know, inside of your phone and and whatnot. But there's some external things I've seen. You can you can connect something. Yeah, and and still, it's it's as much as we knock it. It's still all things considered, uh, still a halfway decent microphone. But yeah, no, it's 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 the rate of uh, of improvement. Tell me about your. Tell me about your your photography kind of business, the things that you're, you're getting into recently. So recently about, I guess it's been about a year and a half ago. Now I, uh, I left uh, a job with the uh, local NBC affiliate here in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, kind of took a job without really knowing the depth of what it was going to be. It was a life insurance company that has uh, an online educational platform that they do a weekly podcast. And then with that, it was more in my lane. I was uh, going to school for audio production. It's something I had done forever. That's something that really didn't scare me too much. But within that, they wanted to do a video version of it. And then they also take this academy to different places across the country to do live events. So all of a sudden, what turned into an audio recording, uh, audio podcast recording type of gig turned into a, a video editing slash live streaming slash photography slash whatever I kind of needed to be type of thing. And then the more I, I've done it over the last year and a half, the more that I've realized that at least the photography end of it, it's not a terrible, terribly difficult business to get started. It's difficult to be you know good at it, but I'm getting plenty of free reps already at work or free reps, you know? So it's one of those that looking forward, it's like, it'd be silly not to, you know, branch out. I've got the equipment on my own, so I might as well you know, use it to make a little bit of money for me on the side. So that's something that I'm hoping to kind of really get up and running uh, next year, beginning of the year. I'm hoping to really kind of hit the ground when I'm with it. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah, I know I had a friend, you know, that, I mean, first off, the gear, no matter what you're talking about with with uh, any kind of media, is just continuously becoming more and more affordable. So like, you can get into this stuff and and they're great just like side projects, even if, you know, you don't make a lot of money from it or whatever, it's a, it's a fun project to just learn all of the skills and learn all the tools. 
that you can get into. You can really geek out about it uh, in many different ways. <laughs> be really artsy yeah. about it or be like really fine to go into the details of each one of these things. So yeah, I enjoy that stuff too. Um, even though I haven't gotten into photography specifically, you know, since we're just talking about that, like what are the other things that I kind of give you that, that release, you know, I know you don't probably have a whole lot of time between, you know, the kids and family and, and work and everything. But, um, I know you said you're getting into photography. Um, you know, you, are you doing that more and more in your part, you know, in the off time or you got other things that you're into? So yeah, the photography is just kind of like, it's, it's definitely started as more just a hobby. So it's just me shooting the kids, shooting my wife, the family, uh, you know, friends had a, a, a birthday party for their young one. So I went and, and just for them, I didn't really even say that I was doing it. I just brought the camera and just started shooting the event like I would at work. So I'm really just kind of jumping into it, but you can kind of see it just off camera. This is my other kind of release is, uh, that's what that was. was. I yeah. thought it. I thought I was in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I tried to move it and I can't quite get it totally out of the frame. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Just, just go ahead and leave it in there. But that's, that's kind of my mental relief. Like I, I enjoyed playing, you know, regular golf for a long time. But, uh, once, uh, once our son Leo, the first one was on the way, it was that, Ooh, it costs this much money every time I go and play around the golf. Whereas disc golf is free. We're going to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's been my, that's, that's my, mental release is, is mm-hmm. disc golf. Yeah. We don't have too many, um, disc golf courses around here. So I haven't actually gotten back into disc golf. I still have some discs back in Texas, you know, on the, mm-hmm. on the other side, but there are some courses around the Island over here that you can still play on. So if you ever came over here, bring your discs and, uh, we can, we can find them and throw them. <laughs> that works. I'm down. Yeah. But Anyway, if I ever get over there, maybe I should just take my discs because they don't take up much space. And of course, you can buy them so easily. Like you say, it's it's so much more affordable, you know, and it's great to just walk up to the course and go, all right, I'm ready. Let's do it. Right. Oh, and it's like anything, too. Like it is much affordable until you're just like, oh, well, I'm going to buy all of the things, which it's just another it's another hobby of mine that involves you can make it very cheap or you can still just spend a lot of money on it because, but I don't think she can hear me, but I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good about it now anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's, it's a little harder, I would say, to, to spend a whole lot of money on disc golf, whereas you can probably go buy one club and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and go, yeah, or to go to a certain location. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's apples and hand grenades, definitely, when you're comparing <laughs> ball golf to disc golf, for sure. Well, that's great, man. Um, yeah, I know. And you got, you know, you got your family, you said you're shooting, you shot some weddings or, or was, was that a, oh, a birthday party? You said birthday party. Yeah. So it's right now I'm, I'm approaching it very casually. So, um, I'm really at this point between now and the beginning of the year, um, I'm kind of developing my personal style kind of, you know, cause you know, I go on YouTube. If, if, if photography is something you want to get into, Go on YouTube, there's a thousand different people doing it a million different ways. And they're all really cool and really unique in their own regard. And so, you know, first you try to emulate the people that you look up to, like, oh, you know, uh, who was it we were listening to all the time? Like Dream Theater, right? Mike Portnoy, when I was still doing drum set more often, you know, oh, I want to drum like that. And then you try to, and then realize that there's, you know, a learning gap. There's the amount of time that you have to put into it to get to that level. 
like you, you, you have to swallow a lot of hard to swallow pills, you know, kind of in that journey to get to that. And so I'm trying to approach photography a little bit differently where I'm, I'm learning, I'm taking from the people that I, I look up to, but at the same point in time, it's art, right? Doesn't matter if it looks good to anybody else. If it looks good to you, Hey, that's a start. Now, if you want to make it profitable, you have to do what you think looks good in such a way that other people can recognize and kind of see what you're trying to get to. So right now it's, you know, we're just, I'm trying to capture those moments just that you don't think about, you know, the, just the, the small gatherings, just the hanging outs, you know, when you get somebody that's doing that fake smile versus that genuine belly laugh, if you can capture that moment. So I'm trying to get better on just timing, composition, and just overall look kind of on my own over the next handful of months. And then just start running with it, you know? So I, I've thought about doing real estate photography. You brought up weddings. That's a whole other, you know, crazy world that you can get into. Uh, and then even just, you know, like I did uh, my son's two-year photos and, and Lucas's three-month photos, like instead of going to JCPenney and dropping $180, you know, the, oh, here's 15 prints that we spent 30 minutes on. You know, it's going to be, you know, an extra $100 if you want them. Like, well, that's silly. I've got the camera. I've got the lens. I've got lights. Let's just do it here. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just getting a portfolio together over the next few months and then looking to really kind of put myself out there for hire. Uh, yeah, beginning of the year. That's what I keep telling Did myself. You, <laughs> well, I, I wish you the best of luck. And I'm sure you'll, you'll find people. I mean, we all know uh, our friends, uh, friends of friends and, and family. And uh, they most likely want to do this or they've had some idea to do this thing that you know you're interested in i'm just saying any one of us like i'm interested in in making music and audio and various products like that um you know you're getting more and more into photography and video and you know i you you just can't go very far before you come into a conversation where it's like this would be kind of cool uh, or I saw this YouTuber doing this. And, and if you asked them, probably like, have you ever thought about, you know, doing something on your own? They're like, yeah, but I don't have. And then you're, they give you the X, Y, Z excuse of, I don't want to get in front of a camera. What have you thought about doing a podcast? Oh, but, <laughs> you know, and then they, they find the next excuse. Um, I, I, you know, I love that you personally, uh, Adam, just kind of throw all that, to the side, like that, that kind of insecurity and that doubt. And you're just like, yeah, I can get this done. Let, let's do it. You know, let's, let's go for it and it'll be fine. <laughs> Cause most people be afraid they, they wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't start. Oh, and, and don't get it twisted. I'm still terrified. I'm <laughs> absolutely terrified, but do it afraid, man. Details delay. It's this, it's a phrase that I've picked up in the last year or so. Details delay. You can sit here and nitpick any opportunity to death and make it sound like it's going to be the worst idea imaginable. But just own it, man. Just run with it. Are you going to be perfect at it? No. Are you going to be great at it? Probably not. But can you do it in such a way that you have fun and maybe it does work out that it can kind of be financially viable long-term? Awesome. And if not, you've got another actionable skill. And at the end of the day, I, I don't know, I, I take value in that. I, I enjoy learning new things and, and getting better at, at any. Yeah, so... Speaking to that point of, you know, learning new skills and, and getting into uh, various things. Um, I know you started kind of with a background in, in audio, I suppose, first, as I, I know you're a musician and, and just kind of train your ears and mind. 
in that way first off, but then you also study the more technical aspects of thing, getting more into the engineering side and then worked yourself into a video. Um, you know, that, that, that's actually a lot of different skills. Like I'm still scared to death of video and, and I'll usually look for partners that will say, okay, I can do this with video because I, I don't trust my eyes all the time with like a, you know, color grading something or, or, or seeing if I have the right, I frame something well. I just haven't taken the time to study that, that kind of thing. Um, how, how do you go about kind of acquiring those skills? It, do you have like a strategy that you use or like you're looking for like baseline, you break things down into smaller pieces. I know you were saying with photography, you know, you're looking at composition, um, you know, and you're trying to develop your own style and you kind of broke it down into smaller pieces. Do you think there's even like a, a first step before that where you're, you need to learn your gear or, you know, you have to learn some technical jargon before you you get into something and really feel comfortable doing it? Or you just kind of jump in and then figure it out afterward? I think you kind of jump in, right? It's like the best way to eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. So at an event last year, I got to see a, a guy named Jesse Itzler speak. He's a, a former hip hop artist out of the 90s, uh, turned entrepreneur. He now owns like the Atlanta Hawks. But one of the things that he brought up, and I don't know if it's his statistic, but he's the one that brought it up to me. If you spend... 20 minutes a day focusing on any one thing over the course of a year, you will be better than 95% of the planet at that one thing. So if you just take a concentrated effort and every day, so that's been my approach. I really took that to heart. So every day at work, my boss is fully aware of this. I've been, you know, carte blanche, you know, this is what I'm strong in. This is what I'm weak in. I'm going to take personal development time to make this, this kind of a thing. So I just pick one thing that I want to work on. Like color grading is a perfect example. When I stepped into this world, my uh, my cameras that we use record in a raw format or a log format. So everything works super gray. Colors really don't pop out until you put a color grade on it. So I would record this and like, cool, I've got the audio where I want it. Awesome. I've got it actually physically recorded in video. Sweet. Everything is synced up. Awesome. And then you actually look at it and you go, wow, this looks awful. What am I supposed to do? And then so it's that same thing. You can either freak out, stall, come up with excuses why it looks like crap, or just figure out how to fix it. Find somebody that knows more, take 20 minutes a day. And I'm not going to say that I'm a great colorist by any means, but I am infinitely better a colorist now than it was a year and a half ago. And it's just by taking that 20 minutes a day, you know, Peter McKinnon is somebody that does a lot of audio video or a, a lot of video photography stuff that you learn a lot on, uh, A to Z productions. These are just guys that I just went and found out like, look, okay, they clearly have something that I want to know and just learn from it. And then if you don't like the way they teach it, there's a dozen other people out there that could probably teach it to you. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, own the fact that you're going to make some, some real stinkers at some point in time, but mm-hmm. make it a point that that's not for not. It's not like, a, oh, I tried to go and record this video and it looks terrible and that's just it. No, just leave it. Go, oh, I really did this terrible video because I didn't understand what ISO does to an image or what aperture does to an image. Or, you know, I got a, uh, I bought this microphone, but I don't have, uh, you know, a, a mic input with phantom power, not realizing that it's a condenser instead of a dynamic microphone. 
like, okay, you can either, you know, completely throw everything away and, and say, nope, I tried, I failed or go, okay, let's pay attention. Let's make sure my equipment knows how to speak to each other. So it's, I don't know, I guess it's just more of a mindset, right? Like you can look at it as everything is broken or this is a great opportunity to learn something. Yeah, I think it's important to definitely just be able to look at the problem and say, what can I do in that moment? Like you said earlier, the the best I can do right now, right? Because you're going to get yourself into that situation where you've got the new equipment um, or or whatever it is, and maybe you've already started something. You know, you you start a podcast, you started some recordings for a YouTube channel, or or you've started a project that you've already you're into in the middle of, and then you want to change something or something breaks. And then you kind of got to relearn this tool or a new tool on the fly. So it's it's bound to happen at some point. And so you have to have that mentality. Uh, I agree. Um, I want to talk to you for a second about the, the business, because I feel like that's a little bit more high pressure situation. So they already had something going. Um, such as a podcast, and you said they had started a YouTube channel, but they weren't uh, maybe utilizing it as well as they could. And I imagine once you came in, we're we're starting to manage things for them that you were making like kind of these incremental improvements. But I'm curious, like, where do they start? Like, because that would be terrifying for me if I had a business and I said, I want to start making content, but I want it to represent my business. So it can't look amateur. It has to look professional kind of right away. I, I feel like, oh man, <laughs> I have how much money do I need to spend to get it to that level, basically? And, uh, you know, and, and, and then trying to weigh that against what am I going to get back from it, actually, because I haven't done this before. That mm-hmm. seems terrifying as well if you don't have a team of, you know, people telling you, well, you're going to spend approximately this and you're going to get this in return, your ROI. Um, you know, what was that podcast like whenever they first started, whenever you kind of got it maybe, and then where is it gone? So they, they definitely had an established audience by the time I got there. The, uh, the gentleman that was kind of handle, handling the technical side of it was, uh, was an IT guy. He's, he's very much a marketing and IT individual. And he took it upon himself to understand audio editing and podcasting in general. So they went, and like you said, bought all the things and they bought a ton of stuff. Like we've got, you know, three Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K cameras. We've got a nice digital mixer, lighting kits, mics. Like it's, it's, it's silly the amount of money that they spent on it. And it kind of goes to how successful the, the business side of the business is that they could afford to, to kind of get to that point. Mm-hmm. But what had happened is the, the guy that was there before me was able to pick up audio pretty quick because it's, not to say that it's not easier to do audio, it's just fewer moving parts. So it's easier to get that base level of good. And then like you said, you've got all the stuff and I want it to be you know, at this level, something that, that my boss approached me when I first started. He goes, look, I'm not looking for A's. I'm not looking for 100% perfects. If you can get me to that C, if I can at least be average to start, from there, we can make ourselves stand out. So that was, that was just kind of the, the thought process and mentality. And then, you know, just kind of stepping into it on the YouTube side, just kind of growing that. So they had, I think, thirty to 40,000 downloads a month on the audio side when I rolled up. And then all we ended up doing is just I, I piggybacked off of that 
success that they had and then just started consistently putting up content on YouTube. It didn't look the best. The audio was always pretty good. Just like I said, the equipment that they had, everything that we had set up always ran pretty well. So that side of it, good audio on a video will save versus you can have 8K crazy resolution with perfect color balance. But if it sounds like you're talking into a tin can, nobody's going to watch it. So that, you know, we had one aspect of it good. The audio was always good. And then my, my goal was just to get the video up to that point and just try to make it a little bit better every week, just better every day, better every day, learn, learn something. Oh, you know, instead of taking this long to do this process, I can now do it this long. You know, oh, you know, everything looks, you know, orange when I did this. Oh, white balance. Hang on. Now everything looks natural. It's, it's just kind of just staying consistent and staying, staying the student, just sticking with it, understanding what, what works and what doesn't. And the only way you're really going to do that is just by not doing it right to start. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, errors. There, there is no shortcut. There is no magic fairy dust. Yeah. Like, oh, how do I make a successful podcast? Man, you try a hundred bad ideas until that good one falls into your lap and then you run with it. I, I just, it feels stressful for me on my end whenever I'm with somebody and I'm thinking, if I were audience member, like, would I be getting something that I thought was valuable or interesting from this conversation? Because I can just connect with you, Adam, on a personal mm-hmm. level and say, yeah, I don't need anything from this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when you, when you step out and become that producer, you know, you, you become that role of I'm observing for other people and thinking, how will they mm-hmm. perceive this? this product that is something something i've caught onto that though like when you really when you're really trying to to search for you know hey this is this is going to be the value piece this is what's going to be the takeaway from the general audience member you know and this is the direction that this is kind of going to go or even you know on the tail end or during your recording you're like man this this is not going well nobody's really going to take anything from this what i've realized through comments and direct messages is there's always somebody out there that's going to grasp onto something that you say that you might view as inconsequential. It might be something that just, oh, well, nobody really cares about that. No one's really worried about that. It's it's that one-off, you know, hey, I related to that because fill in the blank kind of a thing. So I know for me as a producer standpoint, that same thing of really trying to, okay, guys, we're this is the topic. This is, and you know, we talk about life insurance. It's not necessarily the most thrilling back and forth kind of conversations you have. But if you've got somebody that's struggling with some topic, some point, and you know, just a random one-off liner of, oh, we'll just do this. And you watch light bulbs go off for somebody. It's, it's super cool. So even though you're thinking that you might have an idea of the way it goes, never underestimate the ability for even small talk to resonate with somebody. Yeah. I, I It's definitely there uh, in the things that I listen to. You know, um, there's more small talk maybe than I realize. And, uh, and I actually enjoy it. You know, I don't mind that because there are those, those moments, like you say, that, yeah. that come out, uh, amidst this kind of casualness, which I think a lot of people do relate to. I, for, for just the simple, the simple aspect of anyone that has never done a lot of editing, be it audio, be it video, photo, if you've never really done it, the one thing I've picked up from, from the short time that I've really done it is the least amount you leave yourself to do, the more you're going to enjoy the process. 
if you go into it going, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to take 75 minutes worth of footage and I'm just going to chop suey that thing and rearrange everything. It can really work, but man, that's a that's a big lift on the on the back end of it. Yeah, for sure. Whereas something that my boss has really kind of not let me, kind of forced me to embrace is the idea of no edits. That mm. you know, this is real life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Don't expect the perfect podcast, the perfect recording. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna flub. And it's that that really kind of makes you more relational. You know, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not going to speak the most eloquently all the time. You know, I'm going to drop a random curse word here or there or lose train of thought or not really answer the question. So if you can have the bulk of what you're at least, you know, 80%, 70 to 80%, get that C to a B of an idea of, okay, this is kind of how we want it to flow on the front end, but then just kind of let it go. Because then from there, if you do get off on a tangent, you know, like I said, someone might find a value in it. Or if not, they're going to fast forward it or skip it anyway. That's the beautiful thing about digital media is if they don't like it, they can either move through it or trust me, they'll they'll let you know. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to come back to like errors and talking about, you know, blooper uh, type moments with you. And I know you've already mentioned mentioned a few or like you know, as side notes. But um, mm. yeah, what, what I was kind of getting to, and I guess the question that I, I want to ask you is if say you um, were hired by another company right now, and they didn't have the setup, you know, they, they have modest means, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a successful company and they're like, okay, we want to get into content uh, marketing. We want to have some kind of outlet uh, to reach other people. So what would you start them with? And what do you think that investment would be? And kind of like walk us through the, the path that they could take to get to the kind of level that you believe this company, or if you think that's practical to do it again at this point, because the industry and everything changes so quickly now, mm-hmm. it's hard to maybe repeat exactly what somebody else did five to 10 years ago, right? But uh, wh- where would you start somebody? So I think it's more understanding what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're wanting to be a, a visual storyteller, then yeah, you probably need to put a little bit of money on a camera, on a decent lens, make sure you got a decent microphone. But in all reality, to kind of get rolling, excuse me, people use this and get tens of millions of views every day. Yeah, the telephone, the the cell phones that we're using right now are so powerful, right? So much so. So don't outthink your way to a viable solution, thinking that you have to have this level of equipment to make this level of content. If the content is good, everything else is going to follow. So just, you know, base specs, like if we're really down to like the the people that want to know the nitty gritty, get something that shoots at least in 1080p, you know, make sure it's high def, make sure it's something that translates well and and, and can go well. Understand what you're going to be posting onto, whether it needs to be vertical format, horizontal format, or if you want to do something that you can do both, you know, you can either set a rig up where you've got a regular camera and then just your cell phone right beside it, or... You know, if you have the ability to record in 4K, well, then now all of a sudden you can crop it to fit that 1080p model. And then with 4K, you've got enough pixels in there that you can crop a vertical section out of it and still not lose resolution. So just understanding your audience and your messaging and then matching your equipment to it. Don't outspend what you can do now. You know, so I didn't go out and buy 
you know, a Canon R5. I didn't go buy a, you know, a $5,000 camera. I bought a little $300 rinky dink entry level camera to get me going. And then the goal for me is to have that camera pay for itself in the first couple of months that I really go and start doing this and then reinvest back into that gear. So don't set a, a bar of entry so high that you talk yourself out of doing this. It's not hard to do a podcast. It's not hard to be a content creator. It's hard to get over yourself and just do the thing. You know, make sure make sure your quality is at least that C or better. Make sure you're at least average. Because then if your content is good, that's gonna what's that's what's gonna be to that's that's what's gonna make you stand out. And then from that, if people are really grabbing onto it and running with it, then if it's really kind of snowballing, take that and then reinvest it into your gear. So then maybe now your content and your quality can match. Mm-hmm. And so like you're, I, I totally agree, by the way. So the, the idea of just like starting out at, at whatever you can afford, kind of that base level, that entry level, and then it's just using it as an experiment. That's the way I, I think of most things is, you know, I want to learn something from this. I can only benefit by trying it. If I have the time and the resources to put into it, and I have a strong belief that it'll help me in some way, or I can use the skill in other capacities. So yeah, you're, you're only gaining something by trying those things. But there is kind of that other aspect, which is the, the time that's spent on these things. And, and if you're a small business owner, you know, a freelancer, and I know I've done this to myself, I've been blocking myself for, for probably years, uh, saying, look, I, I just don't have the, the time or I don't have the energy or, or the interest to actually put anything out into the world and uh, try this thing. So I, I, I create these blocks for myself, right? And it also want, want it to be a super high level, um, even though all the things are sitting, you know, in my hand pretty much or right in front of me the whole time. <laughs> but there is a, there's a cost to planning it. And, and there's an insecurity that we all have about, you know, that audience that you talked about. Like, how do I know what that audience is? Like, I, I don't have an audience. I've never talked to anybody, you know, in this format or on in this place. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a way that people can kind of kind of find that, or or again, do you believe that's something that they should just try and then learn from as they go? And also, um, not to pile on too much, but you know, doing like an audio format versus a video format. Do you think they're equally equally balanced as far as the people you can reach? And, uh, you know, one's easier than the other, I believe, like we said, the audio is fewer moving parts. But uh, do you think it's important to have a presence everywhere? Because that's another thing that probably scares people off saying, ah, but there's so many places to put things like what's really important. Yeah. So we had, I'm actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the episode that's, that's coming out this week. I'm, I'm finishing editing it. Uh, we edited, or we interviewed a guy that's a marketer. So that's, that's his thing is getting yourself out there in front of people. He mostly represents like life insurance agents and real estate agents, but it's all kind of the same thing. So to answer your question on, on audience growth, I think that's just organic. I think you, your, your audience finds you, you don't go out and say, Oh, you know, I want this demographic from this region of the world, you know, listening at this time of day. Like if you go into it with that, that mindset, you're, you're not going to have a good time. I think it's more put out what you want to put out. Put yourself out there 
And the people that want to hear what you have to say are going to make themselves known. They're going to find you. Now, you can make it easier on them by making yourself very easy to find. So this is something that I, I too am swallowing. So one of the things that he talks about is just making yourself available, making yourself apparent. You know, so the, the way that we formatted the question was a lot of people don't like to use social media in a business sense. Oh, you know, my Facebook is for me. It's where I post pictures of my kids, where we went on vacation, things that are happening in my life. And that's it. But you're, you're missing out on that opportunity. It's a touch point. It's, it's a way that you can get to somebody. You know, you reconnected with me via Facebook, via social media. And it took that initial reaching out. Hey, I'm doing this thing, blah, 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 blah. Here we are. So he talks about that, that idea of frequency. So this experiment that he put on, they went to a real estate market and knocked on a bunch of doors and said, Hey, who's the, the best real estate agent in this area? Who's the number one person, man or woman, whoever? And they got a, a variety of answers. Well, then they went back and did a marketing campaign in that same region and they made a fake agent, fake headshot, fake bio, fake website, like just totally made up individual. They did this marketing campaign. They went out again after that marketing campaign and asked the exact same question. Who's the best real estate person that you know in this area. Oh, John fake person does a lot of really good work in this area. So just the idea of getting yourself out there, people are more likely to recommend somebody they don't know because they've seen them a lot. They've seen them places. So if you're somebody that's trying to put yourself out there and trying to grow an audience, you need to have something on Facebook. You need to have something on Instagram. You need to have something on TikTok. You need to have something on YouTube or and it's all based on what you're doing. If it's going to be mostly audio, then yeah, you know, you know, advertising on Spotify or using a Libsyn or Anchor to kind of host and push everything. But you need, you need a way to stand out of the masses. So the more you're willing to put yourself out there, the more people are going to be able to find you and then you're going to be able to grow a lot faster. So I think it's, I think it's just being willing to put yourself out there. And that's something that I'm struggling with now because I'm the same way. Oh no, my social media is me. You don't, you don't care about what I'm doing. But even what, uh, what this guy was saying, even if it's just biographical, you know, you wake up in the morning, Hey, you know, just got up, uh, just got finished doing an interview with my good buddy, Craig. I haven't seen him in a long time, had a lot going on, you know, Hey, be sure to go check out his content. Here's where it is, blah, 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 blah. And I'll see you later. And then, you know, dropping the kids off at daycare, same thing. Hey, just got done doing this, heading into work, go and, and own the day. You know, just make yourself available and people are going to find you. The more you shut yourself off and try to be scared and, and little known, you're not going to have that kind of impact that you want. So just be, you know, if, if your idea is to get people to come to you, you need to make, make sure people can find you. There's a reason McDonald's is one of the most successful restaurant chains in the U.S. because it doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to find a McDonald's. Mm. <laughs> real estate kind of uh we're living in a in a world of like digital real estate and where everything's competing for your attention and uh yeah i think using your own personal account you know people do i i, I resonate with that idea of like i i want to keep it personal like you don't see me posting on facebook uh a terrible amount <laughs> hardly ever actually um kind of sadly these days but anyway it's uh since i live on the other side of the world from most of my friends but um yeah, it, it's an it's an easy way to to 
to let it be known that you're doing whatever you're doing, right? And I, I do find that I use it like that. I hope it's not annoying to anybody on the other side to just hear those those projects or the uh, you know the fundraisers and and types of things that I'm trying to get into. But uh, you know that's what I'm doing and that's what I'm sharing. So anyway, don't be scared to do that uh, for yourself, right? Is what I hear you saying, and I, I totally yeah. agree. And I mean, like you said, even people that, that would find it annoying or anything like that, you can block, you can unfollow. Like, and if you get somebody that unfollows you because you're trying to 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 promote yourself, well, then that wasn't your target audience anyway. So you haven't really lost anything. You know, you say you don't you just, just to kind of pick on you a little bit, Craig. You say you don't post because oh, my friends are on the other side of the planet. You can literally just walk outside of your place right now and take a picture, and it's going to be more visually interesting than where I'm at. Just because it's somewhere else, it's somewhere exotic to me. Like, oh crap, you know, I, I live in you know nowhere, Kentucky. Not nowhere, Kentucky, but you know, you you get that idea. So even just the idea of of just a, a simple post, what you have, other people want. I I, I mentioned um, you know previously about the amount of energy that you feel like you need to put into making the content, and uh, you know, I know as as being a producer. You know, you're you're spending an immense amount of time because that's your entire focus. But uh, for other people who are trying to manage, you know, multiple aspects of, you know, whether they're an illustrator, photographer, and uh, whatnot, it, it becomes kind of daunting. Where it's like, how much time do, should I be spending on making this content? How much money, obviously, would be a, a separate issue. But um, versus trying to actually just go out and maybe try to find, you know, emailing, cold, cold emailing people or talking with people at events and whatnot. You know, do you feel like the, the word of mouth kind of thing is still number one um, or is content marketing and this type of, of media production um, so important that you should focus on that almost more than anything else? I don't know about more. You want to make sure that whatever product you're presenting is at maybe not the level that you want it at, but at least at a presentable level. You know, it's if you if you network and and try to to reach out with a product that's not fully fledged, not really connectable, it's going to make it a little bit harder. So as far as time management, I, I wish I had that magic answer of oh yeah, spend X number of hours a day, X number of hours a week. It's it's going to kind of vary on kind of what your project is you know, the amount of time that goes into to completing it. Cause you know, the way, the way that we record, you know, the joke is no edits. So I literally, I count down, they have a time frame. Okay. You've got 30 minutes. I give them about five or 10 minutes leeway on either end of it. And then they do a lot of pre-planning. Okay. This is what the, the, the episode is going to be about. We're going to talk about this, that, and this, and then they kind of have a, a basic structure set out. But then when we record, we go, you hit record, you start, you begin. And then you run it, whatever comes out. If you, if you have a flub, if you, you know, miss ask a question or miss answer a question, you own it and you run it because that's real. That's the way things really happen. If you spend too much time polishing something, you never have the time to actually show it to anybody. So I would say make your process, divide your time in such a way that you can have a finished product. It might not be as polished as you want it, but you can present a finished product as opposed to an assortment of broken conversations or you know three quarters of an illustration. Oh, here's the basic idea of what it, 
No, make sure it's, it's a finished piece. And then from then focus on your networking, focus on, you know, getting it known. So more people are looking at it. So then with more people looking at it in the day of content creation, that can help generate a little bit of revenue. That little bit of revenue can free up a little bit more time because it's all time and money, right? That's, that's the only two bits of capital you have. You have sweat equity and you have equity equity. So if you don't have a lot of money, you're going to have to spend a lot of time. If you have a little bit of money to go into it, you're going to be able to put yourself in a position to spend a little bit less time to get there, but it's understanding that balance. So if you're running on a shoestring budget, you're probably going to have to put a good amount of time to get it in there until that budget kind of matches. And then you can kind of start devoting more money toward it to solve the issues that you're having and then free up a little bit more time, you know, going forward. Yeah, of course. The, those two components, as, as we're all dealing with, uh, very apparent. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to really get to the, uh, a, a number that you can just tell anybody, right? The amount of time that you can spend. However, I've seen people be very creative, um, with their content creation. So for instance, um, I can't think of, uh, of a name off the top of my head, but, you know, think about, uh, someone who actually makes, uh, like a painting or something they they'll, record the process of them actually making the artwork. And then that is their content, but then they're actually selling the artwork itself. So instead of like trying to make uh, interesting conversations with somebody that's not uh, the first part that you're going to be selling, obviously I don't sell conversations. You know, you can make it more direct, directly related to whatever you're doing, particularly if you're in a visual medium um, you're in audio um, medium, you're making music or whatever, you can definitely put those things into your content uh, or just show the process. Like you, for instance, you could probably film yourself. Well, maybe it would be unethical, but <laughs> you could film yourself at your at your job and say like, well, these are the, the photographs that I've taken of my coworkers or whatever, um, or like this is me behind the camera, like working these things. And it would just build uh, the trust that people would have in you saying, well, I know that he already makes this content and does this thing. So I think he could do a great job, uh, with my kids photographs. <laughs> yeah. And, and documenting the process, like, especially like on a photography thing, like that's other than just, Hey, look at this pretty picture I took. That's, that's really, you know, what it is on the content creation. All of the photographers that I follow, that's, that's what they're doing is it's just them doing the thing that they're doing, you know, the, the good example I have of what you're talking about of just just record the the process. It's all content, all of its content. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, there's landscaping companies that'll knock on doors that are very clearly homes that need to be, their yard needs to be mowed. They're just in disarray. And he's like, hey, I do this for free. Would you let me mow your yard for free? And then he just records himself doing it. And he gets a million views on him just fixing somebody's lawn for free and then the next time somebody goes, oh, you know, I need a, I need a landscaper. Oh yeah, SB mowing, hit them up. They do really good work. So it's, it's making yourself available and putting yourself out there. So yeah, exactly. Think outside of the box. Don't think, oh, I do this. So I only need to show this. There's a whole process that goes into it. Show it all. And then whatever hits, whatever sticks, run with it. Hmm. You know, we, we got really deep on our end, not to get real because life insurance is, 
it's funny having done this for a year, I almost feel like a life insurance expert because I've just spent the last year and a half listening to people that have devoted their life to it that really understand how the, 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 the products work. But so you're dealing with experts in fields, right? You're dealing with people that really know nitty gritty, that really can kind of get down to the fine minutia, that it's boring. It really just, there's a very niche audience that's going to sit there and go, yeah, you know what? I took something away from that. So what we've recently had to do is realize that the bulk of our audience is new people to this industry. People that are just starting out are thinking about starting out. So what we realized is we got really in the weeds with our content on really advanced strategies and kind of things that only a few dozen people are really utilizing in their business. And because of that, the bulk of our audience went away. Like for a good number of episodes, like a market, like 50% drop in people watching the content. And so I kind of took a step back and looked at, okay, why are people watching this and not this? And then what I realized is we were getting too, too heady, too lofty. We had to kind of appeal more to the, 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 the base, the more broad kind of base common denominator kind of thing. So we geared back more towards intro, getting into it, base concepts. So. And creating content, that was the idea. That was where my, my, my thought training was going, is make sure that you don't get too in the weeds that you're excluding members of your audience without realizing. Because let's just say you're you know, focused on meeting with creatives and you know, just trying to bring creatives to creatives. Like That's the idea. We, we want to get like minds alike and share ideas and learn and grow from one another. But if you only bring on leaders in the field and only talk about their most advanced type of things that they're doing, not the process that got them there, there's only going to be a handful of people that want to watch that versus kind of the way you phrase this is, hey, you got into this with X background, what laid you know, A to B to C kind of a thing that, that kind of flow into it. So when you're, when you're creating, kind of focus on that. Try to, to make sure that you're staying to you, but then make sure whatever it is that you're presenting is easily digestible by a broad audience if that's your goal is to reach. Right. Yeah, I hear lots of people try to say, you know, you should be real niche um, and, and only speak to like one individual, for instance, with like, that's the extreme example. They imagine that one person that they're really speaking to. And I think that works beautifully. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all hyper-focused and, and kind of segmented in our own ways already. We, we just can't help but, you know, have our own you know, small interest that's only going to be relatable mm-hmm. to anybody else if you really broke it down. So, uh, yeah, speaking to how you reach more people, a broader audience, as as we were saying, uh, yeah, just make sure that you're not jumping to that. Uh, you know, the 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 fine details of how to execute. You know, this color grading stuff. You would have lost me immediately if you if you would have went in there. You just like mentioned a few terms, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that labeled on a camera before, so I know what that is, uh, right? But um, anyway, let's uh, let's see if we can get a, a funny story or something interesting from you by having you recall, you know, any instance where you just completely botched something or, it, you know, it just failed miserably. Um, I've got one because it's haunted me because it happened in my very first week. So when when I started, I started at probably the worst possible time. They had a live streamed event happening 10 days after I started. And it's equipment I don't know. 
It's content I don't know. It was just, I, I had no frame of reference on how this is supposed to go. We had one other person from another company come in to kind of assist. He focused on kind of the live audio. I focused on just the video. So that was nice. It took half of that problem away from me. So we went, we did the event, everything went well. You know, just I told myself, keep it simple, keep it basic, operate at the level you know you can operate at. Don't try to be this guy, be this guy. I can be this guy. So get it done. The event goes well. After the fact, we do an award ceremony just kind of for our internal people. The the seminar was for, you know, anybody in the industry. We invited a bunch of people out. But then the award ceremony was more kind of the, the agency in itself, you know, rewarding top salespeople kind of a thing. But with that, they wanted testimonials. So how did you get into this? Blah, 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 blah. Set up my camera that I'm using for maybe the third time. Get all of that figured out, tweaked. All right, sweet. Hand a guy a microphone that I've done a thousand times, just a regular lavalier, wireless microphone, and uh, start recording interviews and get four or five deep only to realize that the microphone that the camera's using is not the microphone they have on. I've got the camera set up where it's recording on the internal microphone of the camera, not the, the microphone that it's at. And we're at a party. So it's loud. The kitchen is like 30 feet back into the right. So you're just hearing plates clang. And the person just kind of sounds like this, this very weird. Just awful. And it wasn't until I got halfway through the list of people that they wanted to have interviewed that I realized it and flipped it on. And I just kind of didn't say anything, hoping they wouldn't notice. What I didn't know is the first people that they asked were the people they wanted to hear the most from. So I had, I think it, and all, all yeah. told it was 10 or 12, you know, two to three minute interviews once it's all cut up <laughs> that 50% of it was entirely unusable. And I had to go to my boss saying, oh yeah, I know how to do this. I've done that. I've done this a hundred times. And on assignment one, botched the whole thing. I reached out to my audio professor to see if he could, he could recover and isolate with some of the toys that I know he has. And oh no, it was garbage. Oh yeah. So it's like one setting. I'm sure it's just like a, you know, a sw- maybe it was a physical switch or, you know, like a lot of those menus are kind of, they're still a little bit old school <laughs> where it's like going through this custom menu screen and saying, okay, change I'm, that. I'm going to even tell myself a little more, Craig. I wish it was something like really Fine. Like, oh yeah, anybody could have missed that. No, the back of my camera is literally just this giant LCD monitor. Click a button that says audio, and then it says the microphone that it's listening to. Like it's, oh yeah, we need audio. Audio. The very first thing you see. microphone. That's the microphone that I want to use now. We wish it right. were that intuitive. Yeah, that goes back to like, do you believe things have like actually gotten a, a bit smarter? And not, not always. always, a lot of cases. Yeah, it it, it is not gotten that much smarter where uh, you forgot to switch something, just change a setting. And uh, unfortunately, in that event, that was the first assignment, which, you know, makes you uh, look foolish, I guess, whenever you pitch right. yourself a certain way, right? But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's gonna, out. and all you do is own it. I mean, that's something that I've I've learned at a very young age. Just something my dad taught me is if you make a mistake, that's fine, but don't sit here and do a bunch of this. Just go, yep, me, I'm the one that messed up, and just own it. Because at that point, what are people going to say? Oh, well, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, I messed up. Oh, well, uh, don't do it again. Yeah, I didn't plan on it. 
I, I don't like being embarrassed, so I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. You, nobody wants to be the guy, but um, you're always going to have, you know, the, you're going to build some trust with people um, whenever you do say, look, I take responsibility for that thing. It's my fault. Um, I, you know, I'm going to learn from this mistake and that's not going to happen again. Obviously I know where the button is in the setting. So next time <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to do that. We're yes, going to put that check in there checklist. and it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, anyway, I, that, that's a, <laughs> that would be so terrifying. I couldn't imagine having to go to a this new boss. After doing the hard bit, right? Like I did the live stream. Like I, I ran audio and video with with assistance, but still, I, I I live streamed an event for hours with no issues. Then I got to the easy bit, like, oh, no pressure. You can record. You can fix it on post. Blah 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 blah. blah. And that's where I biffed it. Like it's the easy bit that I messed up, and that's what made it like even worse. It's like, oh yeah, you know what you're doing. Ooh, maybe you have. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that, but. You know, there's something to be said about the, um, you know, there's a pressure of the, the, any kind of situation where you're recording. And I felt it, you know, even starting this podcast, you know, you, you, you got, need to go through so many checks, um, to make sure that things are set up. Maybe you have like a fallback system, um, you know, some other way to make sure that you mm-hmm. still have something there in case, you know, that, that magic happens, but there's an error or a problem with one of the pieces of software, or the tools that you're using, you know, I mean, with all the different components that um, everybody's using these days, I think uh, I heard another friend of mine saying like the fewer fail points that you can have within your system, you know, the better off you're going to be. However, you're more reliant, you know, on those tools and they need to be really consistent so that they do what you expect every time. And if you're running off of batteries, man, you need to have batteries have backup on hand. Bring you know, a charger uh, in case of, those batteries that you have are actually dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all these types of issues that you gotta, you gotta manage in your head. And this what leads to people making those errors that you were talking about, like just missing a, a, a menu yeah. screen, a setting, you know, in one place It's because you had, you know, 20 other things to, to, to juggle, you know, in your mind. And, and, uh, that, that, that makes me think of kind of like the standard operating procedure type of thing. The more you can do something, the more that you can go through the process and learn from that process, the more comfortable you get working through those steps. But you don't really know those steps in a lot of cases whenever you first start. So you need to take note, take it, to, take it a little slower, try to note out the uh, parts that you need to check that are crucial for you. And then Whenever you do have that error, you add that that problem into your checklist so that next time you're not going to have that. Yeah, no, you you sum that up for systems and processes. But, uh, the more the more you can set that up on the front end, and a lot of that is trial and error. Man, it's going to save you on the back end. Man, it's going to save you so much time. And it's frustrating, and it's it's not the part of creation that anybody really enjoys. Yeah, I'm going to set up a system for how we're going to do all these you know these pieces. No, it's 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 not the fun part, but man. It, it saves your butt so off. Because even like you said, just that mistake, that, that one thing, mm-hmm. that making sure that one piece of equipment is pointed the right direction, that, that saves you so much time and credibility. Definitely. Um, I, think, I think we're good. We're, we did a lot of uh, talking back and forth about 
various aspects of your personal life and uh, photography and all the media production that you're doing um, for your company and uh, sharing a lot of tidbits that I think people will find extremely useful. Um, I, I just think maybe the last thing, if you have any advice for somebody getting started, um, maybe they wanted to start their own project like you're doing with photography, like I'm doing with this podcast, um, or they're trying to get maybe a, a position with a, a company even, you know, do you have any advice for them that you can leave them with? So don't let fear of failure stop you from doing the thing that you want to do. If it's not scary, it's probably not worth doing. So own the fact that you're going to be uncomfortable, that you're going to get asked questions that you don't know the answer to, and be comfortable in owning what you know and what you don't know. It's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to have it all figured out. What gets you in trouble is when you try to own up to things that you don't know, and then someone calls you on it that's when you're going to kind of create a lot more problems for yourself. So have a good understanding of where you are personally in your journey. And then just stay true to that. You know, stay true to that. If you if you feel you are the beginner, you know, try to present yourself in a, in a good light, but don't try to come across as an expert in something if you've only just got into it. Understand what you know, understand what you don't know, and learn how to communicate that properly. And you're going to do just fine. Well, I hope you got as much as I did out of this inspiring conversation with Adam Steffen. Hearing about his journey and passion for learning has given me a fresh perspective on fear, growth, and the power of embracing imperfections. As I reflect on this discussion, here are three takeaways that I believe can benefit everyone, whether you're just starting out or already deep into your own projects. Number one, Don't be afraid of failure. As Adam emphasized, if something doesn't scare you, it may not be worth pursuing. Embrace the discomfort, push past your doubts and take action. It's in those moments of uncertainty that true growth and learning happen. Number two, set up systems and processes. Mistakes are bound to happen, but don't let them define you. By setting up systems and processes, whether it's through checklists or reminders, you can minimize errors and ensure a smoother workflow. Taking note of crucial steps incorporating them into your creative routine saves you time, stress, and boosts your credibility, just like Adam points out. And number three, content quality trumps expensive equipment. When it comes to content creation, yes, having high quality gear is important, but it's not everything. Focus on producing good content that resonates with your audience. Embrace the imperfections, be authentic, and let your passions shine through. As Adam shared, good audio on a video is crucial, even if the video quality isn't top-notch. So start with what you have and consistently improve as you go along. As we wrap up this episode of Field Talk, I wanna thank Adam Steffen for sharing his experiences and insights with us. Remember, whether you're venturing into photography, starting a business, or simply pursuing a creative endeavor, don't let fear hold you back. Embrace the learning process, enjoy every step, and watch your creativity flourish. Also, if you're thinking about starting your own project and need professional audio production services, such as voiceovers, sound design, and music, please reach out to me at 
dream at ideafield.pro or visit my website, ideafield.pro, so we can schedule a consultation and elevate your project. And if you're enjoying this content, please share the show with a friend or colleague. It's a no-cost way to show your support and give yourself an easy talking point next time you chat. Thanks for joining me and stay tuned for more engaging conversations and helpful insights on Field Talk. Until next time, stay creative.